This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is the podcast where we take the piss and debunk music fan stereotypes. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So we have some exciting news. We are doing a little giveaway. We're going to send you a special personalized holiday card as a thank you and some fun stickers. If you go write us a review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot of that, DM it to us. We'll get your information and we will send you a little goodie pack. And we're really excited because you guys have been so awesome listening to the podcast, DMing us, commenting. We appreciate it so much. So this is a little thank you from us to you guys. And also, if you've already written one, you can just let us know and you can be involved in this because we don't want you guys to be left out for being amazing before we begged you to be. <laughs> we're doing this for the month of December. So if you hear this and it's December, go ahead and do that and then DM us and let us know. Yeah, it'll be for the whole month. So don't feel like it's a big rush or anything like that. But yeah, you should have Please to- rush. <laughs> Please rush. But um, yeah, you just have to be comfortable with uh, giving us your address. But I promise I'm not leaving my house. <laughs> On that note. So Sarah, what are we talking about today? So you guys really liked our the 1975 episodes and we like to make our listeners happy. So we decided to continue on the 1975 train and we have on some really fun guests today. While we were doing research for the 1975 episodes, we came across a Twitter handle called the 1975pod, which piqued our interest. And thus, we found Pause It, Play It podcast, which is uh, made up of three guys, Matt, Josh, and Dan, but Dan could not join us. So I uh, challenged them to slide in our DMs, and they did. (laughs) Now (laughs) we're best friends. Yeah, so we guested on their podcast, which came out a couple weeks ago, the November 18th episode. So basically what they do is they like dissect every The 1975 song in chronological order. So they are dissecting It Must Be My Dream, but we didn't talk about the song because we don't know how to play music. So we had them on to talk about what it's like being a male fan of a, like a male starter fan (laughs) of a band. OG, OG crew. That's uh, just been talked about as a band that's for girls and so we just sort of got into that and like they're sort of like in the same age bracket as a band too so i just we thought it'd be an interesting conversation for you guys to listen to since we don't really have boys come into our clubhouse that often so we thought it would be a nice surprise so listen to like way too long a time of us talking to some northern boys (laughs) So today we are joined by Josh and Matt from Pause It, Play It, the 1975 podcast, where they go song by song through the discography, giving all their wonderful opinions and hot takes on the music. And so we're so grateful y'all were able to join us today. Why don't you introduce yourselves? And also, since you always talk about the 1975 on your podcast, we'd like to know what other bands y'all are also into. Uh, so I'm Josh, I'm 27, and other bands, uh, I would say Blink-182, Death Cup for Cutie, uh, and we'll say Laney as well. Betrayal. 
Thank uh, you. I'm Matt. I am 30, uh, very late 20s. And I would say, apart from the 1975, the only other band I've ever obsessed about is Block Party. That was my guess, uh, by the way. Yeah, I thought it would have been. <laughs> but like Josh, I love Death Cab. I love Blink-182. I, you know, I just think late 90s, early noughties, pop, punk. That's where it's at. Jimmy Eat World, obviously, I have to go on that list too. I'm like the biggest emo kid in the whole world. So I'm just like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, Sarah and I very much grew up with pop punk. That was the one really interesting thing when I moved to England was like, guys just really liked pop punk music. Whereas like, in, at least in New York, like guys were always embarrassed about it. They either had to look like they were in a band or be like, my girlfriend took me to see All Time Low. I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- there should be no guilty pleasures. It's, if you like it, own it. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. funny. There's, there's, there's none of that over here. People unashamedly love like pop punk and emo, like My Chem, Fall Out Boy, all that. Yeah, people go mad for it, don't they? Well, I'm, I mean, Jenna and I talk about this a lot, but like from our experiences, like British people just love music without abandon. Like you go to a gig and you're like oh, yeah. barely see a phone up a lot of the time and they're just like, we're here for music. We love music. And then you're like in New York and everyone's <laughs> doing the whole gig, no doing anything. So <laughs> I, I, was, I was went to a gig where I had an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> me too i've been there i've seen that <laughs> yeah i couldn't believe it i have seen people like facetime friends in which yeah is- yeah, oh, yeah that, that happened really to us we uh do you know the midnight oh. we went we went to see them and there was a guy sort of uh he was stood like a few rows ahead of us and he was he was facebook live streaming the gig and he also got his phone up and was taking selfies of him and the band in the background for a a long time yeah he was keen yeah he was yeah i've actually got a picture of him taking selfies on my phone (laughs) i think there's like 20 minutes of that gig that i have no recollection of so i'm just fixated on this guy (laughs) you're like what's gonna what's he gonna do next (laughs) yeah yeah he was there with his dad as well. If it wasn't his dad, it was someone that looked just like him, but 25 years older. And they were both just <laughs> more concerned with documenting the moment than enjoying the moment. Yeah. It's a poetic way of putting it. Like, as a yeah, concert photographer, like, I never remember, like, the three songs that we're photographing. Like, I have no Me idea. Either. I <laughs> blank out. I'm like, yeah. I don't like, remember I'll be like, why didn't they play the song? And they'll be like, they did. And I'm like, when? And they'll be like, they. it was the second song they played. And I'm like, oh, that's why. I have no recollection <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, I know a girl who's also a uh, concert photographer and her favourite band is Arctic Monkeys. And I remember the day she got the gig to photograph them oh at our local arena. And I was buzzing for her because that's like her dream gig. But yeah, it was she couldn't enjoy it. She couldn't enjoy the moment because she was working. It's a double-edged sword sort of thing. Like... Okay, so back to the 1975. <laughs> I was like, I have an Arctic Monkeys story, but I want to like get into the 1975. So with y'all being from Manchester, we've heard that y'all have quite the history with the 1975 and seeing them over the years. So we're curious yeah. as to what that history is. Well, the first time I ever saw the 1975 live was either June or July 2011. So it's coming up to you know, nine, nine and a half years ago nearly. I first saw them live. They supported a band called the Cape Race. Don't expect to know them because they've sadly not got very far. <laughs> I knew at that moment I'd experienced something special. And I know that's so easy to say that now when they are a huge global band. But I just knew it. Sex just hits you doesn't it? it like 
And it, oh yeah, what a song! I can't be- I can't believe it now. Like considering Sex was the first song that I really grasped that they're considered a girls' band. Like you hear Sex and you see it live for the first time, and that was the one the one song that really uh, stuck out to me. I never would have thought nine and a half years odd I'd be speaking about them being a girls' band. Did you know them before you saw them, or you like discovered them at the gig? I didn't know them before that, no, but Dan, the third member of our podcast, who sadly couldn't make it, he did know them beforehand. So Dan, in his bands, used to play Battle of the Bands at the same time as the 1975 when they would drive like I do. And then another guy in Dan's band called Manny, who's been on our podcast, he, even when he was like 14 and they were 14, could see the potential. So he always tried to follow them around the internet and he managed to keep in well not in touch as such but he managed to keep tabs on them through myspace so dan and manny downloaded their songs uh, from myspace and we and they just distributed them i suppose really between the friendship group i remember actually the first time i heard the 1975 it was in dan's car he pulled up outside josh's house but at this point josh and dan had never met it, ju- it was just coincidence pulled up outside josh's house and we listened to the CD that he burnt, which really does date it, the fact that he burnt a CD for his car. And it was the demo of Sex and Robbers and possibly something else, but I can't remember. The th- oh, The City as well. The demo of The City, nothing to write home about, but <laughs> Robbers <laughs> and Sex. I was like, wow, these guys are great. And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, they're supporting the Cape Brace. We should go and watch them. And at the time, we were already familiar with the Cape Brace, so we probably would have gone to watch the Cape Brace anyway. But yeah, it was just nuts. And at this point, I'd already built the 1975 up in my head, even though, you know, there was no narcissism whatsoever. <laughs> he didn't think himself as a pop star. So we go to this bar out, uh, next to the venue. So the venue is called Sound Control, which is no longer there. And we went to a bar called Font. So me and Dan had a couple of drinks. I then came out and Matt Healy stood outside smoking next to this van. And he's like, oh, you're right, Dan. So we go over and speak to him for a bit. And I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it's, it's 2011. No one knows this guy. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, it's Matt Healy. It's that guy that I've been listening to obsessively. I can't believe it. Also thinking, wow, you're short. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd watched these videos that they've made that you will be familiar with, such as the sex video where he's wearing the fake Chanel t-shirt. And I thought he looked quite tall. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that's a surprise. And um, I remember Dan giving this van that he was stood next to with a nod and going, is that the van then? Is that what you mean? He's like, the van, you know, from sex. He's just like... <laughs> Uh, no, you could tell he was just like humouring him. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not the band that done. So yeah, that was first my introduction to them, and I've seen them twenty five times in total. Wow. I've, yeah, I, I think that Cape Race gig would have definitely been the cheapest, but I can't remember <laughs> how much that was. But I've got tickets of the headline show at the same venue as well. This time the headline in seven pounds it was. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> And I got to speak to George after that gig as well. George and Matt are the only ones I've ever managed to speak to. So I was dead pleased that I got to speak to George. <laughs> Even when they were, so like, when they were small like that, did it still yeah. seem like Ross and Adam were just like, we just want to be in a band? We don't, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. They're just quiet, aren't they? Although um, a friend of mine, she has met Ross and Adam. She was just walking down Oxford Road uh, in Manchester and, uh, yeah, just spotted them and was like, holy shit, are you Ross and Adam? And they were like, we never get recognised. So they were really pleased to have had the pitch taken. <laughs> That's so cool. What about you, Josh? So I think that that CD that Matt mentioned, the one that Dan made for him, I think that found its way to me, I think a couple months did. later. Because I, I remember the first time I heard them was Matt came around to my house and brought a CD that someone had made. I thought he made it himself. Maybe it was Dan. And was like, <laughs> you need to listen to this band. We've been, we've been seeing them like in Manchester. And what was on it? Sex, Robbers, The City. I can't remember if The Goal was on it. What yeah. song where he goes, I, I am the Prince of the Time. Sorry for my sinking, but... <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah, so I, I think that's how I was first introduced. Not the go. Oh, yeah, it's going to annoy me. That The go is the one we talked about moving to Spain. We'll have to get yeah, Alice to write it. They all merge into one. We need Dan. He, he's the... Uh, yeah, that's geek. true. Yeah, and I, I liked them. Like, um, and I sort of kind of stayed... I, I kept tabs on them, like, looked at what they were doing. I never saw them live at this period. And then when they released the album, I gave the album a listen. But it wasn't until a bit later, I reckon about 2013, 2014. That was when I really started to be like paying attention, like, oh, actually, this band is really great. And then obviously the whole second album comes out and then it snowballs from there till yeah. we start a podcast. <laughs> and that's when it really took off, Father. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is impressive that you guys got the Twitter, the handle, the 1975 pod. Right, that's yeah. Like, that's how we found out about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. seriously the 1975 podcast is actually taken oh, because well. yeah about two years ago it looks like somebody started another podcast um just discussing a brief inquiry that came out around that time mm-hmm. uh i think they did four 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 episodes or like four parts of this episode and never did anything again so how much is I know. <laughs> How dare they give up? Yeah, exactly. No commitment. <laughs> what we talked about in like our first episode is that when the 1975 was first coming up, it was they were sort of like thrown to the side because everybody was saying how like the media was like oh like all these girls like them and they're like pop leaning for what they're doing or whatever like as people who were going well I guess this is more for Matt but like as somebody who was seeing them like when they were early on was it actually just yeah. girls or was the enemy just like up their own ass? Oh yeah, absolutely up there on ass. Yeah, in those early days, to be fair, it was I would say a fifty-fifty mix because a lot of the school friends were there, and I they would in the songs that have names in them, so reference names such as Chocolate, where it says uh, Rebecca, he was there, and it gave her a nod. You know, stuff like that. It's crazy. The song You, the girl that was written about, she was there, and he made that known. So yeah, it was in the early days, definitely fifty-fifty, but. I would say the fact that it's now more of a female audience is great for us because like, I'm five foot ten, which isn't the tallest, but I'm definitely not short. <laughs> but I can just see straight to the front, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Josh, who's actually tall, he, fe- he feels bad for the girls stuck behind him. I'm like, Josh, stop putting him in front of you. We're, we're this... the back now. Could you keep going, sorry, I'm tall. Please stand the... in front of me. This was particularly, yeah, this was an issue where we saw... Um... I saw Lainey in in Berlin, in Germany, actually. And I felt like I was about head and shoulders above everyone there. I would say that was a real sort of, there was a lot more girls there, I'd say, at that gig. And yeah, I, I felt like I had to do this to Crouch Day because I felt bad for being tall. <laughs> How tall are you? I'm only like 6'1", six 6'2". Six I'm not massive. <laughs> I f- but also I feel like with Lainey, compared to the 1975, I feel like Paul kind of 
puts himself out there as like a like a kind of acts like a boy band member and like the style and yes. the vibe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like that 100%. makes a bit more sense. Than I <laughs> yeah. think. Just a minute. There's a whole lot of women in this audience. <laughs> it was in Sheffield. Predo- we would go obviously we would go and watch 1975 anyway, but the neighborhood was supporting. Mm-hmm. So there was a double whammy. We definitely wanted to go and watch them there. So we drove to Sheffield in the snow, which was nerve-wracking at points. I know, yeah, we were just like, it's just girls everywhere. We couldn't believe it. We just felt a bit out of place. And uh, not really 1975 related, but as a, a drunk girl, as there's always a drunk someone at a gig, but oh, she just would not leave us alone. I know that's not related. In what sense, pop- though? Like, in like, uh, oh, look, this boy, these boys like the 1975, I'm trying to, like, pull them? Or, like, in the, like, <laughs> what are you doing here kind of way? No, no, I think, I think it was the former. I think she... <laughs> wanted to pull one of us i don't think she was fussy to be fair but we're just we're not interested well, I, I think in like those senses it's like a man a wild man appears because we're also <laughs> like we're also fed the narrative of like oh guys don't listen to this band so when you see one you're like what's going on oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah it was a few years ago but maybe maybe she was curious as to why what would have been eight men would watch in uh, this girl band, you know? Yeah, it's a good gig. I remember as well this uh, at the time the neighborhood would wear like leggings or with shorts, and there was this one lad who must have been about 13, 14 that we saw in McDonald's afterwards wearing that sort of attire. And I'm just like, you have got balls of steel to walk around Sheffield <laughs> dressed like that. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so again with their first record NME just like shit on that record like so hard and then of course like flipped for like the next album so what yep. what are y'all's thoughts on that um, that's just classic enemy it is the enemy in general like they i feel like as time progressed sort of through the noughties they tried to write more sort of sensationalist headlines and they tried to yeah, be more, yeah. more contrarian that. like that is that's such an enemy thing to do to give a band like a terrible album review and then a year later put them on like top 10 bands you need to listen to right now yeah um, the 975 won worst band one year in the enemy awards and then best band the next year or something like that yeah. yeah it i mean i don't in terms of like objectively i don't think there's much difference between the quality of the first album and the second album i, I don't i don't feel like the second album would have maybe won fans over that didn't like the first album if you know what i mean yeah so i think that's yeah i think that is the enemies kind of you know their method of i guess promoting themselves to do things that are a bit more controversial i think yeah it's just at the end of the day it's a business isn't it and they want to sell so Mm. that's all it is just sensationalist it's the daily mail of uh, the music world yeah oh wow those are some harsh words there yeah it it is though it is there's there's far more like okay so put it this way when i when i do seek out new music and i do look at reviews and things like that i'll never go to the enemy and I, i would say that the enemy is possibly the biggest in britain would you say matt like the biggest kind of like musical I, don't, I, don't, I think that's difficult to say because I don't yeah. feel like anyone takes it seriously. No. Well, it's one of the that, biggest. Like they have now that they shut down Q, isn't NME like the only yeah. one that's like mainstream? Uh it's it's only online, isn't it? So I don't I'm not no. sure there's any actual published music magazines anymore. But online, obviously you've got many, many small independent ones, but I would say noisy from Vice is Oh yeah, right. Probably uh 
up there. I'd say I'd probably go to Pitchfork. I think oh, I feel yeah, like that, yeah. that's that's the one, isn't it? That's yeah. I feel like they're really kind of good at objective reviews. But I think the smaller ones like there's a magazine called Dork in the UK, and they love the 1975 as well. So that's a thumbs up from me. <laughs> the the, uh, the easiest way though is just to go on. Uh, See, see what Spotify recommends. Go, oh, yeah, okay, I'll listen to them. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it usually does well, so. I think that's how I find out about any bands I like, honestly. It's just like doing like a band I already like and then being like Spotify yeah, radio yeah. and seeing. That's how I found out Seagirls. Yeah. Like, I went and they're oh, like yeah, my yeah, favorite yeah. ever. So. <laughs> oh, right, that's cool. I'm like, thanks, Spotify. You did good. <laughs> you know, I've got, I have got a grievance with a, a Seagirls song. I'm not sure which one, it's, which one it is, but there's one where they reference something like, Will you come to my show if. Oh, yeah. If, 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 if I go to Manchester, will you come to my show? Yeah. Yeah. which no it's if you're in manchester isn't it will you come to my show because because they're from london the spot, so i would think yeah. that it would be like if they're in manchester will you come to my i don't know yeah that's what i mean so but <laughs> it shouldn't be a case of you know we'll come to um you come to me in manchester i'd have thought they'd be touring and it's like well you know if i'm there Will you come to see, see us? Oh my god. I could be completely wrong. I'm looking. No, it says if you're in Manchester, will you come to my show? So yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It should be if we're in Manchester. <laughs> then I'm pissed there. Matt, you've got a high threshold for how uh, songs must be grammatically correct. Before you, <laughs> I know. Uh... Well, don't get me started on She Lays Down. <laughs> oh my god. I never even realized. And they like change the the name of the city depending on where they're playing too. Yeah. It's so just I, like, now it makes even less sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So to be a buzzkill. <laughs> I just like their music because when you listen to it, I feel like you're at a gig. So I'm like, this is, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. this is a good time. Anyway. <laughs> So I guess like with the first album, it, I think it's really interesting because like, you know, NME gave it such bad reviews. And so it like critically wasn't very received very well by like the journalist world. Um, but yet they were like blowing up and they were becoming this huge thing. It, it almost seems like it happened overnight. Like it was so quick at the times. It's like them going to bigger and bigger venues. But at least that was my perspective from America because I know they mm-hmm. came to do South by one year and like nobody really knew them. And they came the next year for South by and people were like girls were like lining up outside the venues to like meet them and stuff. And then um, that's actually the first time I got to see them was at like a South by gig. And then the next time they tour, they were playing like a huge venue in America already. And so I think it's like really interesting with the media. It's like, even though NME gave them bad reviews, like the fans were always behind them and like giving them basically building them up and so like by time it got to the next album cycle like that album was like huge when it was released like because they already had like built such a fan base up i think um, that's just uh, the modern way though isn't it the internet allows you to share ideas that aren't the journalist's ideas so it doesn't really matter what journalists think anymore as long as mm. one person likes it and they show it to a friend and so on and so forth it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think sometimes bands are kind of, um, it's almost like pre-selected where are these going to be the band where we're going to kind of make them feel more controversial? Mm-hmm. And then some, you feel like places like The Enemy really want to push them, like some are without. I don't know if you remember, Matt. Um, do you remember, do you know the band Gossip with yeah. Beth Ditto? Um, they were an American from band. Texas. But, you should know yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> you might, yeah, she was, she, she was quite, Beth Ditto was quite famous, like outside of Gossip, I think. 
Did she um, have like green hair? Yeah, possibly. She she, she, she had like wild. kind of short hair, but she changed it quite a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, okay, I know who this is. And they had some like they had some like great songs, but over here, I feel like she was always she she was always like a figure of controversy, and I feel like the enemy were kind of they blew hot and cold on her, and I feel yeah. like that kind of you get a few bands where that happens and i feel like the 1975 was one of those yeah and maybe it's as well like maybe i know it's quite cynical to think about it the journalism side of it but i think some places they were like if we if we are more negative about this band then we'll get more more clicks more reads and i feel like because they knew the 1975 were blowing up it's like if you say something controversial about them more people will then pay attention to it yeah no yeah, yeah. i 100 agree and i feel like the thing that like sarah and i like the point we've always made is like once it starts to sound like pop music like the media will just say like oh this is a band for girls and they'll write it off completely mm. Yeah. yeah, with that with that first album in particular, um, the music's undeniably good. Yeah, like I think you know songs like Chocolate, like uh, Mick Jagger heard Chocolate and was like, I want this band to play at this gig we're putting on. Where Rolling Stones never heard of him. But I, you know, if like if Mick Jagger's saying this song's good enough that I want this band at my gig, then I feel like that's a seal of approval that you need. Absolutely, yeah. Like it cho- was all chocolate was there. that was their peak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like chocolate was chocolate was huge over here like yeah i think the moment sort of it's funny the moment i kind of knew that this band that matt was listening to and kept telling me to listen to i sort of knew they were getting big is i uh, i used to work at a bar and i walked onto the bar one day and the city was playing and i was like oh this is the band that well this is the 1975 this is but matt you you remember you the moment you knew that they was getting big which go on was this it ah was it when you ran into him at the bar and you were like oh i should get a ticket oh yeah yeah so there was kind of like two moments really one was at uh, a festival called live at leeds which i think is kind of like a scale down south by southwest yeah if my understanding of that is correct yeah, where definitely. yeah lots of small venues you just go around the city going to various places and seeing bands and we couldn't get in to watch the 1975 because we were like, yeah, yeah, we've got loads of time. They're only like 20 minutes. No one will go and watch them. And there was a queue. Admittedly, it was just women as well, actually. But um, yeah, we were absolutely gutted. So we were messaging Matt, messaging Jamie, the manager, not personal phones, <laughs> on, um, on Instagram. <laughs> Please, Jamie, let us in. Obviously, he ignored us. So that was one moment we were like, oh, Christ, we weren't expecting that, that you know, to be so popular, but didn't really think much of it. And then the real moment was the day that I struggled to get a ticket. So like tickets being released and not really have been that much of a rush to get a ticket. I'd just be like, in my own time, within reason, it'd be all right. Then yeah, I couldn't get one. And I was like, I, I, I couldn't understand what had happened. Why is it sold out? It's never been sold out before. And the show was a couple of days after one of my birthdays. I can't remember what year. So it was September time. In Manchester, so I'd gone out for my birthday with my brother, and I just bumped into Matt Healy in um, Odd Bar in Manchester, and it was a great moment because the it was with John as well, the saxophonist. Some girls were fangirling, getting pictures with him, and then he spotted me and like pushed past them so he could come and give me a hug. Oh. I was like, yes, I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, and he's like, oh, "Are you coming to the show tomorrow?" Well, a couple of days it was. I'm like, "No, I'm not." I'm not used to having to get tickets. So I didn't get them. I just thought I could get them whenever. And he's like, oh, just 
you know, come and see me later and I'll get you, I'll put you on the guest list. I was like, oh, he's just saying that to be polite. So I didn't actually uh, <laughs> chase him for it. I just no, thought, no. Oh, I know. Oh, I yeah, know, I didn't right, do it. Yeah. I just thought, what a nice young man. I won't make him follow up on that. <laughs> oh but now we've got a podcast dedicated to him. I'm expecting, uh, you know, a guest list at every show they ever do. Handwritten <laughs> invites. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. Matt, I, I see you playing in New York. I've never been. <laughs> uh, so if you fancy, but, like, yeah. stick me in your flight case or... Uh, <laughs> Like, <laughs> I remember this one time at the bar you offered me tickets and I never used the yes. offer so yes. I'm using I'm it now. Cash it, in, cash it yeah. in like a WWF wrestler. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm cashing in my guest list for Madison Square Garden headline. So absolutely, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Although to be fair, I'd rather cash it in at a smaller venue. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No. The what's the biggest? What's the biggest venues y'all have seen them in? Oh, mine would be the. Uh, Manchester Evening News Arena, which isn't that big, really. When I the last time I saw them was <laughs> summer of 2019. It was May 2019, and they were playing an amphitheater in Austin. Which like Austin, oh, cool. they'll play bit like the Houston and Dallas are way bigger, so they'd play bigger venues there. So like we don't really have yeah. like the amphitheater is probably four thousand, and then our next venue is like twenty thousand. And it, oh, their show got like rained out because it always rains really bad in like May in Texas. And their show like there's like fans. Actually, one of my friends was like queuing for hours before the show, and there was like this torrential like thunderstorm that came through, and everyone was like hiding. Like I guess they opened up like the ticketing office or something really trying to like get everyone inside because it was just like chaos outside and so they like had to reschedule the show for like a few nights later so i think like not as many people ended up showing up for the rescheduled show but it was madness that's the last time i've seen them did i make did they play like a small venue in london like somewhat recently or did i make that up no they um this is before a brief inquiry came out so they played this tiny they played like barfly right or whatever it's called now i don't I don't know what the I don't know what the venue was called, but it looks like a sort of 100, 200 cap venue. There's yeah. videos on YouTube actually, but yeah, it might have been on, on release day or around release day for that album. But they said that they were going to do, um, well, Matty said on Twitter, so probably not true, but um, that they wanted to do like gigs in like small venues for like every era of the band. So like, mm. do one night is the EP era, second night is like the first album, and so on and so on. That would be mental. Would yeah, be, be and insane, impossible yeah. to get tickets too. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> you say that. However, I feel like I've got an ace up my sleeve there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically, what you're saying is, when this happens, you're gonna get guest list plus Passion. four for all the rest of us to come. Absolutely, along. nice. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like with 1975, I was super into them in the early days, like when they released their first record and their second record. I was super, super into it. And then their third record, I kind of like I listened to the singles and for some reason, whatever like headspace I was in, I just like never fully listened to that record when it came out. Like I never listened all the way through. And like, of course, like I've supported them and I followed them like I've seen them live since. Um, but I'm just curious because like for me, it's always been like either I was busy or I felt like I kind of grew out of like what their fandom is now where their fandom is like very young usually girls and I felt like I couldn't connect with the fandom as much or like I wasn't as into it but I'm just curious like from y'all's perspective do you feel like you had grown out of it at all or you're still just as in tune with it as you were in, in like the early days? I feel like the band are probably I'm probably the same boat as you I feel like they've evolved 
beyond my music taste. I feel like I, I'm slowing down, whereas obviously the, the kids, <laughs> the 14-year-olds, <laughs> they're like just, you know, they're hungry for new sounds and new stuff, whereas I'm like, yeah, I'll just go back and listen to plans. Transatlanticism, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, and the last two albums are a more difficult listen. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I mean, the the most recent record, because it came out while we were, like, in quarantine, I, like, listened to three songs, and I was like, this is going to take a long time. Like, <laughs> I, don't yeah. have, I, I don't know if yeah. I have the patience for this. I, I don't feel... I, I am, like, I would say, like, hungry for new music quite a lot. Like, I, I will go and, like, seek out stuff. So when, like, bands that I do really like, I, wouldn't, I don't feel too disconnected from them, mm-hmm. despite me not fitting in the demographic, let's say. For example, if Blink-182 released another album, I feel like a lot more people that look like me would be keen for that album rather than the 1975 if you know what I mean I do think that the four notes in a conditional form is a difficult listen particularly if you put it on from the start I feel like the album really sort of you've got to get about eight songs eight or nine songs in and then the latter half of the album is really strong but I, I do feel like a lot of the decisions on the last two albums have been more polarizing I think they're more artistic decisions haven't they rather than yeah, yeah. songwriting decisions well I feel like Maddie sort of realized that like the fans were like whatever you do we'll follow and he was like okay bet <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just an in joke it's like I can't believe they're buying this yeah <laughs> he's like what is the most ridiculous thing I can do right now let's see if they buy it well, I, yeah. I think that it also has a lot to do with like him always threatening to like drop I, drive like I do music, and I'm like Maddie Healy, please drop the like grunge pop punk record we've all been waiting for. Yeah. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like that's based. I mean, it'd be I guess more Britpop in the genre terms, but in my terminology, I feel like it would be more like a grungy pop punk idea of like what um, drive like I do has sounded like. But I just think it's funny when like the 1975 is going this weird kind of like avant-garde sort of thing and then Maddie when he <laughs> yeah. is on Twitter is like I'll drop drive like I do I'll do it yeah I'll do it and it's like just like that's I what just you want just it. do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna do it I was just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> felt drive like I do might delete have y'all ever seen 1975 at a festival yeah a few I've seen them at Leeds which you're probably aware is the sister festival of Reading that was crazy because the was it last year up. when they headlined? No, no, it was the first time they ever played Leeds. It was great actually to track back that year. Catfish and the Bottlemen played an introducing stage, and people just walking past them, taking no notice. And I was like, "Guys, you want to listen to these? They're really good." 
but yeah, no one took any notice because I'd seen them support the 1975. But back, oh yeah, so they're in this tent. And it just got absolutely packed and packed full of girls <laughs> about 15. <laughs> but it was crazy that kind of like your moment of seeing drugs everywhere. I was amazed at how primal these girls had got because I must have seen about three or four girls just squat down and have a, have a piss right in front of me. <laughs> I'm like, as a fully grown adult at this stage, maybe like 23, I'm like, I should not be seeing you, child, having a wee right in front of me, but... <laughs> I did. You don't want to lose that spot. You don't want to lose that spot in the crowd. No, no, I think that, well, you know, credit to them. They probably gained some more space in the process to <laughs> good on them. But oh at uh, that gig, there was uh, Tim Healy, Matt's dad, and Louis Healy, his brother, just at the back and to the left of the stage. So it was really cool to see that family moment, I suppose, you know, that his dad and his brother got to see them play a festival for the first time. That's cool. So I guess like, you know, with the podcast, like obviously y'all, obviously your podcast is 1975 theme. So anyone who comes and listens to it is going to appreciate it. But like outside of that context, have you, have you guys ever like faced criticism when like people found out you were a 1975 fan? Uh, I'd say, I'd say no, to be honest. I think a lot of a lot of my friends who are in, like really into music also really like them. I've, I've got one friend who's not keen and every time they release something new, I'm like, oh, check out this song. And he's just like, nah, not for me. But I'd never say that I've sort of, it's been like, oh, you like them? They're a bit, oh, they're, they're a pop band. Because I think, I think as well for us though, I think we kind of unashamedly love pop music. Absolutely, so I, yeah. I feel like there's no kind of, there's sort of nothing, I don't know, people would gain on us, I think, you know, you know from sort of like pointing that out to us. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone thought it was funny, I'd be like, do you realise how much I'll take that? You cannot shame <laughs> me. Yeah, no one's, no one's ever really commented on Not in a serious manner. It's like a guy that I used to work with, his teenage daughter loves the 1975. So he used to laugh at me in like a very casual way. There was no malice there. Like, you know, you, you and my 14-year-old girl are the same band. That's well funny. <laughs> but he, he likes them as well because she will play them in the car. And then he'll like, I used to see him in the kitchen at work they'd be like what do you make of people then <laughs> i'm like oh it's not for me that <laughs> bit of a you know wasn't expected that he's like oh yeah can't stand that sophie will have her ipod on shuffle she doesn't have an ipod but yeah that's what he calls it <laughs> have it on shuffle people came on i'm like get this shite off and he's from <laughs> he's from burnley as well so he has a very strong accent that's really funny I love that. Yeah. Well, like, in that regard, like, has it been, like, weird, I guess, being, especially now, since you started, like, the podcast, but I guess it's, like, you're, like, I, <laughs> I guess now, in, like, your your personal history, it'll be, like, okay, like, these guys really, like, love the 1975, and, like, obviously the 1975 has the stigma of, like, girls being, like, up in the forefront, when I don't necessarily think that that's really the case, because every person I met when I went to uni who was, like, oh, do you listen to the 1975 was a guy, and so, like, is that something that you feel, like, ever needs to be talked about, or do you feel like it's just something that is a bit of a joke and like no, just something the media has put out there as like this is for girls because I feel like it's not really um... I think it'd be difficult to approach in the sense that I mean I know like I don't really feel like I, I don't know if it's different over here would you say because I, you mentioned before that like British people just seem to love music regardless yeah. I don't may, maybe it's something that's more American I would say other than like maybe the demographics of the gigs now yeah. uh f- more female based I, d- I don't feel like over here there is that much of a conversation around 
1975 being sort of overtly a band for, for, for girls in inverted yeah. commas. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like the fan base feels down the middle. Like, for example, on um, I would say on like on the Twitter now, we obviously follow a lot of 1975 fans. Mm-hmm. I would say it slightly leans more towards like more girls, I think, posting about the 1975, but it's not, I think it's fairly even to be honest i would say the difference is really that it's just that the 1970s five don't attract what we would call dark fruits twitter which is <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which is like okay, explain lout, this, lout rock so are you aware of the cortinas or just cortinas even or oasis oasis yeah yeah stone roses they are dark fruits bands because mm. the people that listen to them drink strong or dark fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And There's lots of regret. That's... Just like I hear that and I just like taste regret in my mouth. Yeah. You know what's funny though? The marketing for Strongbow in the UK versus the US is completely different. Oh, Strongbow in the, US... in the US, they try and make it all fancy and I'm like, you know yeah. how many gross men really? I kiss that tasted yeah. like this <laughs> Exactly. I was really shocked. I thought, like, oh, it's got its market in the UK. Don't try and export that shite. But yeah, they do. They Um, they sell it in glass bottles here. And then in England, you get it in like a two liter plastic. Or a can. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. So Dark Fruits Twitter would just criticize 1975. So I think when you're at a gig, you've probably got the same demographic of people minus dark fruits mm-hmm. so if you say i went to see arctic monkeys who mm. are rightly so universally loved just yeah. because they are brilliant you'd get people pissing in pint cups and throwing it but you'd also get the yeah. same girls that you'd get at a 975 gig so if you take that demographic minus the dark fruits twitter <laughs> then you generally only see the, the girls and the few guys that are left mm. I, th- I, I think um, so you're saying most men have no taste is that what you're saying in conclusion yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's i think that's it yeah i think as well um you get a lot of like manchester bands that are dark fruit twitter which <laughs> is it's, it's, it's a perfect way of explaining it like oasis the cortinas um who else matt see i think blossoms are on the on the, on yeah. the dark but, twitter fence yeah <laughs> I, I fully agree i will back but, you up there <laughs> Yeah. I, St- I Stone Roses as well. Yeah, uh, um, uh, Sam but... Fender. He's he's definitely dark fruits. Yeah, <laughs> but he's from <laughs> Newcastle, isn't he? But like, yeah, but he's he's good. A lot of a lot of those bands are Manchester based, mm, where yeah. the 1975 are also from Manchester, but yeah. don't quite fit into that. So yeah. I think yeah. I, I feel I'm like as Cheshire. well, it's great ish, close, yeah. close okay, to Manchester. The... They're from the Hamptons, effectively. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, I feel like there's a bit more resistance with Dark Fruit Twitter towards the 1975 because they are from Manchester, Mm. but don't fit into that kind of Oasis derivative rock music. Yeah. And it's like they, they don't have that struggle story either. I think Dark Fruit's Twitter likes the fact that Oasis are working class. Mm. rough the bear's ass whereas <laughs> the 975 aren't like they, and they don't make any odds about it they don't deny the fact that they're very middle class <laughs> but you can't yeah. buy talent and that's something that i've always argued about yeah. them like yeah matt's mum and dad are fairly famous he's not struggled but you don't buy that sort of talent 
Well, that's I mean, like the hill I like to die on about Jack Whitehall when people are like, but his dad. And I'm like, Jack Whitehall's funny. Shut up. Well, yeah. Par- Paris funny, Hilton's but... music career never took off and look at all her money. So. Exactly. Paris Hilton is a yes. very successful DJ now, though. So. <laughs> oh, is she? Oh, yeah, I'll take you back. Weirdly. Her singing career was shit, but. Yeah, sing- let's yeah. singing career then, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jack, Jack Whitehall, good example. He's. Uh... Def had an incredible leg up with the position that his dad's in, but mm. he's funny. Yeah. So yeah. keep booking them gigs. <laughs> well, the one thing I was going to say is that we've had this conversation about how, like, because, like, Blur and Oasis were, like, Britpop, at that mm-hmm. time when they were first getting famous, they did majority have female, like, screaming female fans, even though that's nothing anybody would ever imagine. But it's because yeah. they, like, created a new genre of music. And so I just think it's funny that like Oasis is full, fully part of, as you say, Dark Fruits Twitter, yeah. because yeah. it's like, you know, girls like that first, right? And they're like, no, yeah. never. And it's like, but they did. Yeah. So I just think that that's interesting. Do we have any final thoughts of anything you want to add to our The most iconic moment? That's a good question. Um, I think the sort of, I think the, not correct answer but I feel like the most popular one would be when they headlined Leeds Festival because I don't know if it was on stage or in like an interview or something but Matty mentioned he was like oh I remember coming here as a kid like when I was like 15 I came to this festival I watched bands on this stage and now I am here headlining it I feel like that would be the sort of that would be the I think yeah the right answer but I'm gonna say that my frivolous answer is that when he cut his hair in that weird mohawk mullet thing, I was like, <laughs> that, that is the look. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, it would be, I can only pinpoint one, but there's been a few moments where that awareness of being a celebrity just slips and he's just a normal person for a second. Mm-hmm. So the only one that I can think of is I was watching the Glastonbury footage and he's he's absolutely loving that he's playing Glastonbury. He's got all these people come to see him. And he just has this like bit of a, a mental aside that falls out of his mouth. He's like, oh, I feel like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dan is determined that if we get him on the podcast, it's going to ask him about that moment. And if he remembers it, or does he still <laughs> feel like Freddie Mercury? So I think that's probably it for me. Not meeting him a few times and him knowing my name it's him saying oh i feel like freddie mercury brilliant love that also supporting uh 19 uh 1935 maddie healy coming on y'all's podcast i would love to see that so would we yeah. we're gonna start a twitter campaign <laughs> yes you should do you I think it's specific... the only one we record do you have a specific um, song video? that you would want to talk to him about we, oh. we it's difficult because of we have to kind of go in order. So if it came, <laughs> if it yeah, came, him, you could do a you special, like a special episode of like Matt think... Healy discusses like our top three. Like you each pick a song. Yeah, yeah. I think we would do like a a, a non uh, sort of linear episode. I think we'd do with him. Yeah, to be fair, I think I'd have to pick one of the songs from the Drive Like I Do days. Uh, probably, no, I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think the girl, the girl, they go, that's it. Yeah, sorry, that's it. That, that, that's an absolute <laughs> conversation killer, isn't it? Because it's unreleased. 
<laughs> You're like, I need to challenge Maddie Healy to put this song out by making him talk about it on my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a power move. I'm I'm impressed. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have the five percent? Oh no, I've still got five. I've, I've looked it? for it. I, no, I've looked for it and I can't find it. I have moved house. I think I've so. still I I've still damn definitely still has all the unreleased stuff. I think I've got it on this laptop somewhere. You could Maybe uh I'll... you could That's hold you really t- hostage. Yeah, you like... hold him hostage. <laughs> you uh you're coming I'll... on the podcast or we're releasing this. <laughs> uh, I wish we could, but there are bigger geeks out there than us who have already released it. So if you have a look on yeah. YouTube, you should be able to find it all. There was um yeah, we we got an email a few months after we started the podcast of someone just saying like hi guys like the podcast here's the dropbox link it's got everything in it and it was songs going back to 2010 like songs that because one of the one of the funny stories is that in the early days um dan ripped one of the songs off myspace so i mean that makes us all feel old but, oh i used yeah. to do that all um, the time i love myspace I, yeah I think <laughs> this is part of my personality <laughs> <laughs> um matt was consistently my top friends back in the day <laughs> but yeah like so there's all the stuff is out there somewhere. It's just never had yeah. a, never had the official release. But I think people keep sort of inventing stuff. Like there was a website somebody made that was Drive Like I Do. There was somebody put the songs on Spotify recently. And it mustn't have gone through like Spotify's kind of verification service. But then there's the argument like it might really be them. They might just trying to be getting more just sort playing. of... Yeah. You know, getting a bit more sort of publicity for Drive Like I Do again until they sort of officially announce right we're releasing. Well, I I know that like some One Direction fans have like released stuff from like X Factor days and like other things as like podcast episodes, and I think that that's the way. Yeah, it, yeah. Is that that's what they do? Is they like upload it yeah. that way? Yeah, I've seen stuff like that. I don't know what the verification on podcast is, but <laughs> but you're I in the perfect p- position to find out. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought of another iconic moment, Josh, and it was <laughs> it was when. Dan text George you up. Oh, re- amazing! <laughs> so we uh, so oh god, <laughs> so back back in the day when they were kind of like speaking, um, they had each other on Facebook, and Dan's got like a new phone, whatever, and it synced all his contacts, all his Facebook contacts to his phone, and George, um, who was Facebook friends with, must have had his mobile number on his Facebook, and it saved to Dan's phone, and Dan's never deleted it. And then obviously when he actually became famous, it was like, I'll never delete this number. And then when we started the podcast, he was like, I've still got, I've still got his number. And I'd, I don't even know how it started, but we'd go on WhatsApp and it just, obviously we don't want to message because it's weird, but it just shows last scene. So I like one of our only features on the show is we do George Daniels last scene. And Dan looks at his phone and says, when was George last seen on his phone? Oh but um, oh, I see it <laughs> on on one episode. Um, it hadn't changed for ages, um, so he was thought, "Oh, he might have got a new phone, changed his number." So Dan just texted you up, and it immediately came online and read the message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is is you up a thing in America? Yeah, it must be. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah, I like, lived uh, most of my twenty. I lived most of my twenties in England, so I don't know what people text people. Yeah, no, I yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. like a booty call sort of. Uh, yeah, definitely. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Two AM text you up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kiss you up. Um, 
we could do we could do a special feature right here though, and I can tell you that Matt Healy's last seen on WhatsApp, eighteenth of September. Does he, this man not text? <laughs> well, I think he's very much an iPhone user. And he's off all the of grid. His, yeah, um. I think like part of being his friend is you have to have an iPhone so he doesn't need to use WhatsApp, and that's probably what it is. I feel like By all the way, my British friends, even the ones who have iPhones, are always like WhatsApp, and I'm like, oh, fine. Yeah, we we, we yeah. are. Me and yeah, Matt yeah. now both have iPhones and still text each other on WhatsApp. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. By the way, that um that Matt Healy last scene, that's an exclusive. We've never done that before. Oh, oh my god. No, wow. <laughs> yeah. Special content. Such You're only gonna find out here. This is going on our TikTok. Last <laughs> oh yes, brilliant. All right, we are doing band of the week in 30 seconds or less. I'm going to throw it over to Matt to go first. And I'm going to give you a countdown in three, two, one. Okay, my band of the week is Zella. That is Z for the Americans, E-L-A. <laughs> um, they are the hottest thing to come out of the Northwest, no, Northeast, since Anton Deck won for the Brits. <laughs> they are ju- just the vibiest, coolest thing ever seriously just check zella out they are i can't just so good it makes you grit your teeth and go fuck yes these are good yeah that's our 30 seconds good job let's have a round of applause (laughs) for matt so proud i wish i'd rehearsed that because i feel like i could have got a bit more descriptive but instead of like yeah they're good they're really good yeah Uh, it's it's always a panic like every time it's like oh no what do uh, what's the descriptive word other than good (laughs) (laughs) 10 out of 10 would listen again i do want you though to give people a song so we can extend your time but what (laughs) is there a song that you think people should listen to um i think i killed someone (laughs) what a name (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. wow what type of music are they I'm going to tag you in here, Josh. What would you say? Yeah, can I jump in? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they brand themselves as like dark electro pop. So it's a, they're a brother and sister, Max and Liv. Uh, they both guest on our show. Um, okay. That was much like, more informative. Old... Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> they're good, though. They're good. Oh, they're phenomenal. <laughs> Did I mention that they're good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Josh, I feel like now, since we know who is actually the king of descriptions, would you like to give us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> your I'm just going to give. I'm gonna get the timer out. Okay. Right. I've got my fingers hovering over the button to press it. Okay. And three, two, one, go. Okay. So my artist, who also recorded at Home Fire Records, which is where Zella record, is an artist called The Super Late Night. Uh, He's a solo artist. Um, His music's like emo pop with like rock elements. Um, he's just started releasing stuff this year. Um, we did one gig this year, and I say we because I played bass in the live band. Um, if you like old school, like pop punk stuff, but also like new bands like Laney in the 975, definitely the eyes for you. Wow. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, so, and a song. And a song. I'm going to give you a song. Uh, oh, if not now, then when? I think that's the best one. Lovely. <laughs> Can you name your... three songs? <laughs> <laughs> One, Josh, name three songs. <laughs> um, you play them live. If not now, then when? Mess and Honey. Good job, you pass. You're, we're allowed to air your episode. <laughs> I'll give you a fourth if you want me to show up. <laughs> Go on. Oh, Falling Asleep. He's only got four singles. Out. Oh. 
Nice. Um, very good descriptions. I definitely want to go listen now. Yeah, well, Josh, you dipped yeah. all over me with that description. Yeah, but yours had more passion. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> yours was kind of like shameless self-promotion in a way. Because <laughs> that's true. That's true. Not your music, but, you know, when he performs oh. live, you know that. He's like, I oh, still yeah, get a check yeah. sometimes. So <laughs> it's all that matters. Hey, when gigs return, I'm getting a cut of that merch. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Power move. That's the move. Well, thank you, Josh and Matt, for joining us today. This was such a fun conversation. I definitely loved hearing all of your stories from the early days and over the years. So, yeah, we really appreciate y'all coming on and talk to us. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I've had a great time. Yeah, no, it's been... Yeah, same. It's been great. It's been great. Yeah, it has. Yeah, let's sat down. Get me to <laughs> Dan, you sat. We're we're the new co-hosts of your podcast. Is yeah. what you're saying? 100%. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Same in time fact, next week. In fact, I'm going to send him a voice message now. Just let <laughs> let him know. Like you're fired. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. so Dan can, and Trump in the same week. Where can the people find you guys? <laughs> um, where can our listeners find you guys if they're more taken with your accents than ours? <laughs> so um, you can find us at the 1975 pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're on Facebook as well if you search Pause It Play It. And if you want to email us, it's pauseitplayitpod at gmail.com. We release on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, run iHeartRadio as well, um, which is big in America, I think. Uh, Stitcher, we're on, we're on loads of different streaming services. And then um, my Twitter Instagram is Josh William without the vowels, so it's J S H W L M. Yeah, this is an ongoing joke in our podcast because mine's a bit of an odd one. So yeah, mine is Junior, that is spelled J E W K N W O R, Jew, like follower of the Jewish religion, me, like the bend in your leg, or like either or. <laughs> I'm not doing the NATO version, Josh. Yeah, usually it goes on, it goes on. <laughs> oh Incredible. Okay. Well, okay. I don't think anyone will be take, more taken with our accents than yours because we're from North Manchester and we've got probably one of the worst accents in the UK. Oh, yeah. After oh, yeah. Liverpool and Birmingham. That was the most fun I think I've had. <laughs> I love chatting with them. But you know what? I just felt like we were just like at a pub with some pints, like chilling for like, I imagine if we, Sarah, if we go to England, we have to go visit them in Manchester and get some pints. Oh, 100%. <laughs> be there like all night because we literally talked to them outside of the recording period. We talked to them for like three hours. So yeah, so it was, it was a fun party. This is like my new favorite thing about this podcast is like, oh, new friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many new friends. But it was just really interesting, like hearing, especially Matt's like stories from yeah. going to these gigs since like forever ago. Um, you've seen them 25 times. I have to count how many times I've seen them because I feel like I've seen them probably like close to 10 times. It's just like, that's it's, impressive. It's funny. I mean, it's not, but like, what, <laughs> I feel like an insane person whenever people are like, yeah, I've seen them 25 times and people are like, wow, that's a lot. And then I'm like, I've seen the main a hundred <laughs> Yeah. Over 13 years of my life, but. Yeah. That's another story. <laughs> Still, it's just, it's just hilarious when people, when like, cause 25 is a large amount and it's something you should be proud of. But then I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> You're like, but have you seen them a hundred times? Are you a real fan? K. 
can you name three of their songs? <laughs> I think 1975 is definitely a band I could name three of their songs. I could Maybe? name three of their songs, but I could not tell you how any of them went. <laughs> True. It's, it's either one or the other. Um, I could name a lot of 1975 songs, actually. I think maybe that should be a new question for our guests right off the bat. <laughs> we should do that. Can you name three songs? That's <laughs> that the would test. be so funny. So you can find Matt and Josh on social media. They already gave you their handles. They'll be linked in the show notes and then you can follow their podcast also which is pause it play it but they were really smart and somehow got the 1975 pod as they're at so those clever boys you can go chat with them which i'm sure you'll want to after listening to their lovely northern accents for at least 45 minutes and then also if you want to talk with us more about this um if you're mad at us for having men on the podcast come at us at three <laughs> songs on twitter and all other social media then you can find me on twitter at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thank you guys for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to harry styles don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the funny things we talked about in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz. And I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.